grand scheme of things, it was not an especially noteworthy dust-up. Couple of hundred arrests, couple of dozen injuries, obviously not good, but riots, at least as spectacular, occur reasonably regularly in Europe, more or less routinely in France. However, this past weekend's Stausch in Stuttgart between two factions of Eritreans and the Baden-Württemberg police standing in between them does serve as a cue for a closer look at why Eritreans are so annoyed with each other and what the deal is with Eritrea generally. It is all remarkably weird. The event which descended into mayhem in Stuttgart last Saturday was an Eritrean cultural festival. This is, in itself, obviously no problem at all, the kind of thing staged in cities all over the world by immigrant communities, greatly to the enhancement of the general vibes. However, this specific Eritrean cultural festival was organised by people who are big fans of Eritrea's president, Isaias Afwerki. And this is really not all that far from the prospect of a Korean cultural festival being thrown in a European city by people who are big fans of Kim Jong-un. Oh no. At which point, an amount of backstory. Eritrea struggled long, hard and indisputably heroically to become a sovereign state. It was an Italian colony from 1890 to 1941, a British protectorate from 1941 to 1952, a theoretically autonomous component of Ethiopia from 1952 to 1962 and a reluctant province of Ethiopia from 1962 until independence in 1993. Throughout those decades, Eritrean liberation movements fought wars of varying intensity against whoever was lording it over them at the time. In 1971, a younger and more excitable faction of the Eritrean Liberation Front formed the Eritrean People's Liberation Front. Are you the Judean People's Front? And let's just take the Monty Python references as read or we'll be here all day. Among the EPLF's founding leaders was a 20-something university dropout named Isaias Afwerki. Afwerki and the EPLF eventually got what they wanted, a sovereign Eritrea under EPLF control in 1993. The price paid by Eritrea's people was hideous. The 17-year war between Ethiopia and Eritrean rebels killed tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands if one factors in the associated famines. And that wasn't an end to it. Eritrea and Ethiopia went at it again in the late 1990s. Eritrea acknowledged the loss of 19,000 soldiers, the total toll including civilians likely much, much higher. This is a gravely scarred country which has sacrificed much. Consider those numbers and consider that Eritrea's population is only a squeak over three and a half million. Regrettably, Afwerki, who is now 77 and has been president since he was 47, has doggedly plodded the wretchedly well-worn path from dashing guerrilla liberator to dismal overstaying tyrant. 
It seems a lot longer than 30 years ago that Afwerki was being praised by US President Bill Clinton as a Renaissance leader and giving splendid speeches denouncing many of his fellow African heads of state as a sack of complacent, self-interested crooks who lingered in office far too long and were interested only in constructing cults of personality in their own honour. Afwaki's Eritrea has never held an election, has no independent media or judiciary, and nothing resembling a functioning civil society. It does very much have a military in which all Eritreans must serve, often indefinitely, under conditions of extreme brutality in the barracks and frequent danger on the front lines. In the 1990s, Eritrea fought wars against Sudan and Yemen, This century, Eritrea has fought one small war with Djibouti, and this decade has sent troops back into Ethiopia, this time broadly on Ethiopia's side against their common enemies, the Tigray People's Liberation Front. Reports late last year suggested that Eritrea was calling up reservists well into their 50s. Unsurprisingly, hundreds of thousands of Eritreans have left Eritrea, though few Eritreans are legally permitted to do so. Understandably, many of those who have found a way out are other than delighted at seeing the thoughts, deeds and works of President Afwerki praised and saluted in their places of refuge. Hence this past weekend's fracas in Stuttgart. And hence, interestingly, similar recent stromashes in Toronto, Stockholm, Bergen, Giessen and Tel Aviv, among other destinations, as celebrations of the 30th anniversary of Eritrea's independence have prompted anger from Eritreans who struggle to see what there is to celebrate. The clashes in Tel Aviv were especially serious, Israeli police resorting to tear gas, stun grenades, baton rounds and live ammunition. Authorities in all locations blighted by these brawls have irritably declared, rightly and reasonably, that they are not much keen on hosting imported conflicts and that other means of expressing one's views are available. There are suspicions, however, that these disturbances may have been anticipated, even desired, in at least one quarter. That the Afwerki regime encourages cultural festivals abroad not just as a means of raising foreign currency and imposing itself upon those who have fled it, but as a provocation intended to cause trouble and make other countries wary of Eritrean refugees who have fled Afwerki's country-sized prison farm. Willfully stoking violence among one's own diaspora does seem like a bizarre thing for a given government to do, but so does a great deal else of what Eritrea's government has most definitely done. For Monocle Radio, I'm Andrew Muller.